Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast, where we talk to leaders about how they grow their business, they help make the world a better place, and sell something. Ron, welcome to the program. Hey, great to be here, and thank you for having me today. My pleasure. What's kind of interesting is, uh, you know, when I talk to bankers, it's like, uh, hey, man, we're not salespeople, we're bankers, but yet they have to sell. There's this like automatic reaction that sales is bad. And in fact, the reality is without sales, nothing cool ever happens. 100%. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think life is all about sales and uh, how how good are you at it has a lot to do with how good you your life actually is. Absolutely. And you take someone like uh, Jesus Christ, let's bring him into the show. Uh, you know, he kind of like was like an average salesperson at best, but he hired 12 apostles that were like freaking amazing. And they took it from like one due to 1.4 billion people around the world. So yeah, it's if you don't sell, even if you got a brilliant idea, it goes nowhere. And so why do you think in our society, we have this sense that sales is bad? Uh, I just think people are there's a bad, bad stigma, stigma around it, especially with, I come from the construction industry. It has a lot of bad stigmas and people just think greasy salespeople when in reality, it's not really that way. That That's using an old mantra around sales and sales, sales has evolved a lot throughout the years, especially as we head into 2023 now. It's a whole nother word of how do you sell and how do you help customers? And I, I think people need to realize that I think a lot of a lot of sales reps and people in the sales business are really there to try to help. They have, like you just said, they have a great solution or a great product and they just want to get it into their end users hands so then they can benefit from it. It's not necessarily trying to jam something down your throat. It's trying to get that product that they know is going to make your life better in your hands. Absolutely. Like if you take a look at cops, there's probably some percentage of cops that are bad. It could be 0.5, whatever. If you look at doctors, priests, teachers, but yet the small percentage of salespeople that are bad have this like reputation that the entire industry is and dear listeners and viewers that is not the case it's uh salespeople it's, most of them want to help you solve a problem whatever that problem is so the selling process plus or minus ron uh, i think looks like this get the appointment do the presentation handle the objections and when you handle the objections uh close the sale and then ask for referrals or go deeper into the account. Would you say plus or minus that's the five basic steps of sales? Yeah, I would say, I mean, that's pretty much right in there. That's what you got to get through to get to a sale. So so if that's the case, and it hasn't changed since probably the dawn of time, uh, 
why is it that we have so much difficulty getting sales reps to be good at all five elements of that? Because generally you get people that are good at three of them or four of them. And there's always this one area where there's an Achilles heel for a particular salesperson. So they're really good at closing and maybe not good at uh, asking for referrals. So, uh, A, have you come across someone, don't name names, that was good at <laughs> most of them, but there was the one area that stopped them from showing up as powerfully as they should? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's kind of just the downfall with the sales position. I, I think you get a lot of guys that are really, really good at closing, but lack some of the other stuff that goes along with that, like the follow-up, getting those refers, but they're really good closers. And those are the people that want to move into sales because they, they understand that. Like, I'm good at this, but they can thrive off of that. So in sales, there's an environment that gets created where if you're a good closer and you can close deals, you don't necessarily get as much counseling or coaching on the stuff you're not doing good at because you're closing deals. And at the end of the day, that's what people are looking for, but you're not creating that full customer experience. So you really do need that attention. Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, it's like, let's say the person selling five widgets a month, which we think is freaking fantastic. If that person was good at the other areas, they might be selling 10 widgets, which will be like off the freaking charts. So yeah, oftentimes we uh, squeak, uh, we oil the squeaky wheel and not the one that's doing well that if it had a bit more uh, coaching would do phenomenally better because there's some salespeople that are just not going to get better. Like I think typically a sales team is made up of A players that walk on water B players that do a good job and C players that should be doing something else. In your uh, guesstimate, in a sales force of 100 people, how many of them would be A players do you think in an average sales force? Uh, I think you're looking at that that top percentage is going to be like the top 10%. Like so that's... 10%. And how many would be should be doing something else out of that 100? Uh, I think you're going to be looking at the bottom 20 to 30%. Maybe even I mean, a little bit more. Yeah, or just, a little less, but somewhere in there, right? And then you got yeah, the middle. Right in there, because you have people that get into sales, like they think they would like to do sales, so they get into sales, but it's really not. At the end of the day, the best fit for. Yeah, it's a uh, sales. One of the things I like about it is, depending on which industry you come in, uh, the sky's the limit. Like oftentimes in organizations, it's the lowly salesperson is the person that earns the most money in the company not the president, not the owner. And they're so happy that this salesperson is selling all that stuff because the entire company rests on their shoulders. Yeah. Uh, but if you do it badly, it can be a terrible profession full of frustration and pain. So Ron, where was an area in sales where you sucked at that you overcame? Uh, I would say the, the, the closing aspect of things took me a little bit of time to overcome because when I moved into sales, I came with a lot of operational knowledge from that side of the business moving into sales just to make myself a more well-rounded employee and just a more well-rounded person and leader and be able to go. But I had all the knowledge and I had all the operational experience and I could build that rapport and have those conversations. And I had trust because I knew what I was talking about. But when it came to closing that deal, I lacked some of the natural ability that natural salespeople have to just be able to close deals because I would get, I'd let myself get hung up on the details 
of from an operational standpoint. So I had to work through that and become uh, a lot less operational and more sales like and just understand that you, you can have a mesh of both. Absolutely. I think uh, just at the end of the day, it's really identifying the problem the customer has uh, and not one you think they have, a legitimate problem they have. What are the consequences of not doing anything? What are the consequences of picking the wrong solution? And then from that, asking for the sale is a piece of cake because it's like, mm-hmm. so Ron, you tell me that you know, you've know you got uh, the wrong XYZ and it's causing you sleepless nights. The boss wants to fire you because he thinks you don't know what you're doing. And if you don't get this thing fixed before Christmas comes, that your company's going to lose a ton of cash. Do I have that right? And you go, yup. And they go, well, our solution can make that go away. How would you like to proceed? Like really, really simple. But most people go into the, let me tell you about me and my company and what we do and very little attention to the customer's problems. A, do you think that's a true statement? And if it is, why do you think it's true? Why do people focus on their own stuff rather than the customer's uh, pain points? Yeah, I think yes and no. Like in the beginning, I would be I was more of like what you were talking about where you you try you're selling on features and benefits and not necessarily the customer's problems. And that's the gap that you got to get. Yeah, I was through. talking more like globally, just the industry as a whole. So not you specifically. Uh, would you say that there's still a lot of people selling on features and benefits or not so yeah, much? Yeah, I think we I think you get a lot of that these days. And I, I just think that's people are trained that because they want to create like product differentiators. So they feel like they need to talk into the features and benefits of their products and not necessarily how does this solve the pain points or how is this a solution to what the problem is that you have? Because there's a lot of different things out there in any markets these days. It's highly competitive. And I think people get stuck in the trap of talking up their product instead of just talking into it and how it solves the customer's problems. Absolutely. So let's take a look at uh, five pieces of advice you'd give people to become better salespeople. They already know how to sell. What are the five things they need to know? Yeah, so I think to begin with, it's clarity. You need to offer clarity in that conversation. So I think when things get confusing, people don't buy. That's an old an old saying, but at the end of the day that's true. Customers buy when they have clarity on exactly what they're getting. And so, uh, pause right there. So how do we know we have clarity? Cuz sometimes we think we have clarity and we don't. So what's something you can do to kind of validate, "Oh yeah, I, my customer understands exactly what I'm offering." I I would ask or have them repeat back exactly what you think that does like if nice. you were going to tell me what my product does what how would you word that and i think we learn a lot in that conversation yeah. uh, especially for like myself with what i'm doing now going to market with a brand new product i learn a lot when i ask that question because that can lead to what kind of dialogue am i using or am i saying something that's completely misdirecting uh what exactly is happening here so number one get clarity what's number two uh, I would say number two is have a plan for everything that you do, uh, whether that's follow up through the through the sales process. Nothing should be left up for chance. You should always have a plan. Absolutely. And just kind of adding to that is a lot of companies go to trade shows and they spend all the money and expense in doing the trade show. 
and then they don't have a follow-up plan that's kind of predetermined. And mm -hmm. by doing that, you just lose. It's like six months later, you're following up on a lead that was six months old and just have everything lined up that soon as you hit the go button at the end of the show, uh, by the time that person gets back to their office uh, on Monday, there's an email waiting, there's whatever. So yeah, so number one, clarity. Number two, having a, a plan. What's number three? Number three is just being yourself. Uh, I like to say I was the best when I was Ron Newsbaum, when I wasn't trying to fill other boots and I was just genuinely myself. That was when I was always at my best and still am currently at my best. Right. And I kind of agree with that. Most of us uh, have a sense of this is what I need to look like to this customer. And it's a facade. And sometimes that works. But if you can just be yourself, that's the most powerful version of you. That's where your power is. That's where your passion is. And if they don't want to work with you, then so be it. But more people will, and the people that do will feel better connected. So I love that. What's next? Uh, don't fall into the traps that are out there. And we, we all know what those traps are. It's going down those rabbit holes that doesn't do anything for you or the customer. Getting in competitive situations where you're bad-mouthing someone else or going back and forth. I would say just stay out of those traps. Like they're, they're there for a reason. And if we can avoid those and you become a master at avoiding that, that separates you from everybody else out there. Because the customer wants somebody that's not going to go down those rabbit holes, that doesn't want to go in and participate like that. Nice. And what's number five? Number five is, uh, now I just completely lost my train of thought here. Uh, no, number five, so what do we have so far? Clarity, be yourself. Uh, no, clarity, have a plan, be yourself. And, and don't go down the, the rabbit holes and the traps. Trap. Yeah, avoid the rabbit holes, avoid the traps. And number five is always have your customer's best interest in mind. Uh, that's what we're there to do. So figure out what your product does that best serves them and then focus on that. That's kind of like what we had talked about earlier with the, the selling on features and benefits or selling to what their pain point is. So figure out what their their problem is and how you can best serve that and then lean in on that. I love that. Ron, thanks so much for being on the program. It's short. It's sweet. Five points people can actually implement immediately. Love it. Have yourself a great rest of the day. Hey, you too. Thank you for having me. Cheers. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming. And that is the fastest way to get better results. 